Thank you, Mike and Amelia, for that wonderful worship time. In uh, my role as a pastor, um, I often have people coming to me wanting to know whether they're saved or not. It's interesting because last Sunday at this time we hosted a brunch for people from our daughter's wedding last Saturday. And a young man comes up to me, sits next to me. He says, you're a pastor, aren't you? I think I've committed the unforgivable sin. And he told me his story about how he'd, um, had an, he'd been married, he'd had a, an affair, he'd had a broken marriage. And, um, and then sometimes I'm in a situation where I'm with a family where in the hospital, say, where a member of that family is coming to the end of their life and we may take communion, but you need to spell out very simply and clearly what it means to become a Christian, not just to the person who's at the end of their life, also to other family members that are there. And so if I asked you this morning whether or not you are absolutely sure that you are a Christian, that you're certain of a place in heaven when you die, I'd probably get quite a variety of responses. Some of you would say, I hope so. Others would say, I think so. But how many of you confidently and with certainty could say, I know that I am saved. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 says, and this is the record. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God has not life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of our, the, the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Are you a New Zealand citizen? Are you sure? We're either a New Zealand citizen or not. There's no halfway place. It's the same with salvation. We're either in Christ and in the kingdom of God or we're not. So why then do some of us lack assurance of this? Maybe it's because we're not really saved. Have you ever signed up for a deal that turned out to be not quite what you expected? Once when I was in uh, Kuala Lumpur, I went to a food court and I ordered noodles, mushrooms, and chicken legs. When I got my food, my chicken legs had toes on them. <laughs> it wasn't quite what I expected. There are people today who preach an easy gospel, a package deal. Evangelists are sometimes evaluated by the number of people that respond to their message. We can put on evangelistic programs that may draw in a lot of people, 
remember years ago where uh, there was this outreach and it was people on motorbikes doing spins and jumps and people from all over the city came along and then the gospel was preached and a lot of people went forward at the end of the meeting and all the pastors in that town were given the names of people from their suburb that had responded to that meet to that altar call and so we went around contacting those people and saying look you know I hear uh, that you went forward at that meeting last Saturday and it's important that you do a discipleship course and we'd get responses like oh look we only went up because we heard there were free books or my friend went up so I went up to support my friend and then you know a few months later the pastors had a gathering and they said how many new people are there in your congregation as a result of that outreach and there weren't many we are asked to produce fruit that remains and it's very easy to sell short the gospel story to not tell the full story to make things sound too easy we can say believe in Jesus and you'll know you'll have no more problems in your life and you'll spend eternity in heaven I mean who can turn down an offer like that but then when the problems start people start to question the, pro the package that they've signed up for so we need to know exactly what's involved in salvation so that we can be sure and secure there are many uncertainties in this life there are many fake things around us I heard of a woman who came out of the hairdresser and she bumped into her neighbor her neighbor said Sally what on earth have you done to your hair it looks just like a wig Sally replied it is a wig well she said you could have fooled me <laughs> all Christians can know that they have the real deal we don't have to wonder we don't have to guess having doubts doesn't mean that we're not saved everyone has doubts from time to time but assurance of salvation is extremely important first John chapter 5 verse 1 says to us whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God we're saved by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God but believing is much more than just thinking or agreeing the book of James tells us that even the devil believes in Jesus and the word believe here in that verse uh, from first John whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God that word believe means to have trust and commit to someone or to something it means to trust that person to commit that person to that person not just believe that there was this man called Jesus who was the son of God it goes a lot deeper than that the grace of God saves us through our faith in Jesus it's not through our good works there's another problem in that people think that by being a good person and, and doing all the right things 
will put them in right relationship with God. But our salvation is a free gift from God. Many people feel that they have to, or have a look at Romans 3 verse 22 in that regard. It says, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so many feel that they've got to earn salvation by jumping through hoops and obeying lots of rules. We can end up following the rules rather than following God. We may feel that just living a good life will make us right with God. Grace is a free gift. It's like God reaching his hand down from heaven to us. And God says, I love you. I want to save you. And faith is us reaching up to God saying, I love you. I accept your love for me. Please save me. When we put our hand of faith into God's hand of grace, that's salvation. Psalm 40 tells us about that. It's that image of God on the rock reaching down to pull us out of the miry clay or out of the quicksand. All we have to do is grab hold of his hand. When we confess our helplessness and rely on his grace to save us, then we take on his purity and are given grace and power to be transformed into the image of God. Thinking that our salvation depends on what we do leads to us continually feeling guilty coming under condemnation, feeling inadequate, feeling that we need to do more. The book of 1 John was written to give Christians assurance of salvation. And it gives us three clear tests that we can use to determine whether or not we are truly a believer in Jesus Christ. The first test is the Lordship test. Is Jesus... Lord of your life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to him if we obey his commands. Now, we're not saved by keeping the commands, but if we love the Lord, we will desire to hear his voice and to obey him, and he will give us the power to enable us to live the life that he desires of us. And so 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says, The man who says, I know him, but does not keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So John tells us that if we say we're saved, but don't do what we know God wants us to do, then we're liars. This doesn't mean that we have to be perfect all the time. In the old days, sailors used to sail in the right direction by keeping to the stars. They would see a certain star and they would sail towards that star. And so to keep God's commands means we steer our life by the word of God, the Bible, and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, a sailor might go off course. There may be clouds. He can't see the stars. He might get distracted by heavy seas. But when he realizes his problem, he does what's necessary to get back on course 
as quickly as possible. That's how it is with us. We sometimes take our eyes off Jesus and fail him. But the desire of our hearts is to please God and to do what he tells us to do. So that's the first test. Is Jesus Lord of your life? The second test is the fellowship test. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. When we love our Heavenly Father, we love His children as well. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all part of one family. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You know, some people withdraw from church. They feel that they can't worship God all on their own. Well, they feel they can worship God all on their own. They say, God knows I love him, so why do I need to hang out with other people? But God clearly tells us to love each other, to keep meeting together as his family. If God's nature is in us, then we will love other people in the same way that he loves others. And then 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, when you looked at the program for our uh, church camp, you may have thought, gosh, it, there's a lot of social in there, but there's not so much spiritual. We had a discussion as a leadership, and we said we want to use this camp to help us to grow as a community of believers that know and love each other. So there's all sorts of activities that are going to get us doing things together, getting to know other people in the church. Another weekend later in the year, we're going to get a speaker to come and speak at a men's breakfast, speak at a Saturday night meeting, and then to also speak at our Sunday, at our Sunday morning service, where we can get that spiritual input that will grow us in our love for God and in our relationship with others. But because we're going to this special campsite, we're going to do things that we can't do here together and really enjoy fellowship with each other. And part of our uh, mission statement is that we want to be an intergenerational church where we have people from a diversity of age groups and we make every effort to get on with each other and enjoy our relationship with each other. Now the third test is the relationship test. The Christian life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are in relationship, we feel safe and secure and the peace of God is in our heart. Are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do, does he walk with you? and talk with you, lead you, guide you, 
lead you into his peace. It's a bit like little children feel safe around their parents. You get a little child that's got stranger anxiety. They may be at mainly mainly music, but then mum walks out of the room and you can see this child looking for mum because they're safe when mum is in sight. So just like little children, we feel safe in the hands of our loving God. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you realize that God absolutely loves you as though he's your heavenly father? He is your heavenly father. The way you dote on your children. I've become a a grandfather not too long ago and we spent a lot of time with our new little granddaughter and... um, and she brought delight to our, our household. Uh, and it's amazing. I, you know, I've seen doting grandparents before, and I thought, I've always thought to myself, well, when I have a grandchild, I'm not going to be as doting as that. I'm not going to get so excited about it. But I love this little girl, and everyone does. And, and she lightens up a whole room. And just to feel um, that love and relationship and that care and protection is a wonderful, powerful thing. Many people try to live the Christian life outside of that relationship with God. They're trying to keep all the rules, but they're not doing it out of a love, out of a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under law, but under grace. Come into that relationship with God. Feel his love. Feel his presence. 1 John 4 verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Now you might be thinking, I I don't love God enough. The only way you can really love God in the way that he wants you to and with the intensity that he desires of you is to fully understand what he went through on that cross on our behalf. When we have a revelation of what he went through, how he suffered, the pain he endured, because he loved you and he wanted a relationship with you, when you get that into your heart, you will love him as well and you will want to walk in that relationship with him. So God created humankind to have a relationship with us and to pour out his love upon each one of us. But there is also a faith element. We trust and believe God to keep his promise. The Bible never says look back to some past experience as proof of your salvation. It says look at your current relationship with the Lord. It's a bit like marriage. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he your friend and your companion? Or is he somebody who you were introduced to once, but you never really bothered to get to know him? 
The question is not, do you believe in Jesus? It's, are you believing in Jesus? Mature believers will still sin, but they'll seek forgiveness and they'll grow from glory to glory. I got a, a letter during this last week from someone in this church who made a mistake, who did something wrong, and wrote this letter asking for forgiveness and said, look, I know I, I mucked up, I got it wrong, I overstated something, but please forgive me. And that's a, a sign that we have a genuine relationship with the Lord because we have soft hearts and we want to walk in relationship and we get it, when we get it wrong, we're quick to admit that we've got it wrong and to seek reconciliation with those around us. If you belong to Jesus Christ, then you are part of his family and you can enjoy emotional and spiritual security. John 10 verses 27 to 29 says, this is Jesus speaking, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Can you hear God's voice? I love it when I hear God's voice, when he directs me to do something. And Helen and I have had an incredible life doing all sorts of incredible things. And, and we've had vision for God to do something and we thought, well, how's that going to happen? And then miraculously, doors have opened and we've walked this path. We've been on this journey. When they made the first section of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, there were no safety nets and 23 workers fell off that bridge they were building to their deaths. Then they spent an enormous sum of money providing a safety net under the next section of the bridge. But once that safety net was in place, only a handful of people ever needed it. Their work was faster. They could concentrate on their jobs without worrying about falling off to their death. And so to be a productive Christian, we need to know that our future is secure. If we're sure of our salvation, we don't need to worry about our future. We know that we're in God's hands and that whatever happens to us, we are going to be with him in glory and he will look after us. And so this enables us to focus on the present and the work that God wants to do in each one of us, in us and through us. It gives us the emotional and spiritual security that we need to live this journey called life. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. When we're saved, God begins a good work in us. Before that, the Holy Spirit worked on our hearts, convicting us of sin and drawing us to Christ. We felt troubled when an inner voice kept saying, you need to sort those things out. You need to get your life right with God. 
I used to feel very uneasy whenever there was an altar call for people to make a decision to follow Jesus. But when I committed my life fully to the Lord, those troubled feelings went and the peace of God came into me instead. So God convicts us and he converts us and he also completes us. He never starts something that he doesn't intend to finish. He has begun a good work in your life and he intends to complete it. So let's just run through that checklist again. Number one, the lordship test. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Do you want to serve and to obey him? Number two, the fellowship test. Do you have a love for your Christian brothers and sisters and enjoy being with them and want to help them? Number three, the relationship test. Are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ where you speak to him and he speaks to you, where he leads you and guides you and you feel safe and secure? You know, it's not my job this morning to try and convince you that you're all saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that knows and searches your heart. However, if you're feeling troubled, and you have doubts, then come and speak to me about it or to another leader. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Christ and you're resisting his call, then you're hardening your heart and there will come a day where you will no longer hear his call to you. Let go of your self-centered pride. Confess your sins to God and hand over your life him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you made us for a relationship. And Lord, many of us have reached out to you and said, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need to know where I'm going in this life. I need to know what happens when I get die. I want to have peace. I want to have guidance. And Lord, I thank you that when we come into relationship with you, we also come into relationship with each other. That we want to get on with each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to see everyone complete that journey. Lord, we look forward to that day where we join together with you in paradise. Father, if there are people here that are resisting your call and they know that you've been calling them for a long time, Lord, help them to yield. Lord, it's not a matter of my way against your way. It's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of saying, Lord, you know me. You want me. You want the best for my life. And I want you and need you to complete me. So, Lord, help people to have the courage to yield to your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.